0: We have two readings this morning, which are on the screen, and they will flow seamlessly from one to the next, and so please would you first find Hebrews 10 and keep your finger in that page. Hebrews 10, which is on page 1208. But we begin in Luke chapter one, page 1025. And we start at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And Mary responded.
1: My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. But has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Therefore, When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thank you both. Good morning, let's pray. Father, as we prepare our church, as we prepare our homes, we give you this time now as we seek to prepare our hearts to receive you, that you may enter in and be born afresh in us this Christmas time, the Saviour of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was a busy place here on Wednesday. We had um, the Walcott Street Traders. All the people along Walcott Street were invited to come into the church for drinks and refreshment, but mainly to meet one another, to meet as neighbors close to us and close to each other. Many of them had not met at all before. Uh, Because they had just moved here recently and it was a great joy just simply to say you're welcome come in and just to get to know people who in one sense are so near and yet also so far and as you milled around the different groups that were there about 40 people there and you just broke into conversations sometimes one of the great themes obviously of that week last week was very much about the children the 132 children who had been killed in Pakistan and as you move around, you were just seeing that this really moved people. And on that day in the morning, we had the school here as well. About 130 pupils from the school rehearsing for what was going to be their carol service. The little ones didn't come, but the others did. And so you were left with these two images, really, of children up here who were in number similar to those who had been killed in Pakistan. And then downstairs, Adults seeking to struggle as to what was going on in the world. How could men do this? What on earth would be in their hearts that they could walk into a classroom and kill a two-year-old? How can that happen in our world today? So as we mingled, and as we were there, in that sort of place that was meant to be a party and celebratory, there was also a depth of real concern for the world that people live in today. And it revealed, in a way, a deep need that we have still for a saviour, someone who will come and say, this is wrong, this does require punishment, and someone who will save us from ourselves, from our own sin and from the very deprivation to which people can sink. And so we come to church this morning and hear beaut- beautifully read, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. The name Jesus means God who saves. And the Bible goes on to say, Jesus is the way of salvation. And it reveals how Jesus lives the life that you and I are called to live, were born to live, really. And even that he goes on to die the death that really should be our death because of our sin that we see so evidently in the world all around us. And later, as Ruth read, Mary overflows with praise to her cousin Elizabeth, and it begins with acknowledging God as Savior. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. Mary is a peasant. She's young, she's unwed, and is going to shockingly bring disgrace upon her family and her betrothed, Joseph. And yet she's remembered here today in Bath, thousands of years later. Why? Because of the way she responds to God. And the Annunciation reveals to us in three ways. Three ways in which we can respond to our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And the first way she responds is with reason. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. In hearing the angel, she is troubled. Listening to Melvin Bragg this week on Radio 4, I was troubled, trying to answer the question what is truth? asked by Pilate to Jesus, who himself was the way, the truth, and the life. By the end of the program, having listened to four learned people on this discussion, my head was hurting, really hurting, as we went from coherent truth to redundancy theory of truth to deflationism that has a great problem with truth, apparently. And this is exactly what was happening to Mary. Mary, a young peasant girl, was doing the same thing. How can this be true? She was greatly troubled and wondered. And the word wondered in Greek means to use logic, to reason with great intensity. In other words, she was trying to figure out, using her mind, how all that was being said to her by an angelic being could be true. And the first thing we note is Mary struggling to understand and believe what she is hearing. And she's processing it. She's processing it in her mind. And we just take in what's being said to her. The creator of the universe is coming into a girl's womb to be born as a human being through her. The truth is hard to believe. And it demands us to think it through, to ponder the evidence. We've worked as an Alpha team this term with people, and we've had to think. We've had to reason, using the Bible, using our experience, about the claims that Jesus makes about who He is, why He died. We have used our minds to ponder the truth that Jesus is our Saviour. Peter Norman in the past has said of his testimony that he needed to think through his faith. And Peter wasn't sent an angel, well, almost. He was sent John stopped. I mean, that's quite good, isn't it, really? To help Peter, to help Peter in his thinking, allow the Savior to be born in him. This is what Mary did. She reasoned with intensity. And so Mary firstly encourages us to think our way to the truth of the Saviour born in Bethlehem. Secondly, she expresses her doubts openly. How will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin? She's made a bold stuff, Mary. An angel is speaking to her, but she doesn't just accept the truth that she's about to carry the Son of God to save the world. No, she still uses her reason. How can she have a child if she's not having sex? She expresses her doubt based on sound logic. It simply doesn't make sense, even though an angel is speaking to her. And Mary reveals to us in this very simple question that we can express our uncertainties and our questions to God And we have to do this honestly. And by asking the question, she asks for information and leaves herself not closed. If the answer is a good one, you see, she may have to change. She may have to change her view. And she may have to believe what's being said. So she doesn't walk off in a huff. She stays and she asks questions. She ponders them. And so our honest doubts open up belief. Doubt fans the flame of faith. And if Mary had not expressed doubt to the angel, then these words would never have been spoken. Nothing will be impossible with God, verse 37. Nothing will be impossible with God. And all kinds of people facing all kinds of situations have found found help and comfort in those words. And the only reason these words are uttered are because Mary doubted. So Mary reveals to us that the more we are willing to express doubt honestly and humbly, the more we will bring to surface our questions. And then the further we will get on our journey, our journey of faith, and our journey to put our trust in the Savior who comes and makes the journey with us. So many times in ministry, I have found people who refuse to question, who refuse to express their doubts, even at the hardest time. Some, it's out of sheer hard-heartedness, while others, because they think it might be irreverent to God. Mary. Mary allows her doubt to be heard and her subsequent question to be asked and leads finally, point three, to surrender. Mary's journey through reason and doubt leads her to complete surrender. In the BBC adaptation of the Nativity, the angel asks, Do you believe in God, Mary? Yes, she replies. She does. She believes in the God who created the world, who delivered her people and protected them for centuries. She believes, as the angel says, that God can do the impossible. And as she focuses on God, And who God is, as we've done this morning in worship, it begins to make sense to her. As she goes from looking inward to her God, she is left with the statement, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Or in the AV or King James Version, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And Tim Keller speaks of a Bible teacher who said, when it comes to following Jesus, the Savior, the hardest thing to give is in. The hardest thing to give is in. And when God came to Abraham, he says, Abraham, get out of your homeland, out of the land of the Chaldees, and follow me. And Abraham says, quite rightly, where am I going? And God says essentially, I'll show you later. What Mary reveals of Jesus as Savior is that we are not in the position to negotiate the cost of following or to control it. No. In our surrender, we are called to count the cost. Anyone who would follow me must deny self, take up their cross, and follow. And as Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 10, those words about it being God's will, God's will here. Put my glasses on for this. He said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. Jesus himself surrenders to the will of the Father, and the Father surrenders to the will of the Son, and the whole of history changes. And we, in essence, as Mary did, as Jesus did, give up the right to determine for ourselves the best way to live. I don't know all that you're going to ask of me, Lord, but I'll do whatever you say in your word, whether I like it or not, and I'll accept patiently whatever you send into my life, whether I understand it or not. We so seek to have control. I know I do, you should see my Christmas tree, but I simply cannot know ahead of time all the things that God will be asking of me to do. And what Mary reveals is that she does it unconditionally, not my will but yours. Will you and I seek to do God's will unconditionally? How tough this unconditional surrender was going to make Mary's life, and Joseph's for that matter. Him saying to his family, oh, 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 I can explain. Mary is pregnant through the Holy Spirit. We learned it from an angel. The truth wasn't something his friends and family might understand. They might always think ill of Mary and Joseph, perhaps smirking. Perhaps that's why there was no room for them in Bethlehem, for they brought such disgrace to the family, no one in David, in Joseph's hometown of David would welcome them in. So they find themselves in a stable. This is how it feels. This is how it feels in many places of the world. Be that in Pakistan, where as a woman on fear of death as a Christian for blaspheming against Muhammad, where two Christians were dragged through a field, one of them pregnant, like Mary, and were killed by being burnt alive. It isn't easy to surrender. It isn't easy to stop negotiating the cost of following even in a cafe full of traders from Walcott Street, as you explain why you believe in God, as you try and explain what church is really all about, why I am a vicar. It just sounds implausible at times. It just sounds incredible, just as the angel story to both Joseph and Mary would have sounded. So, if over this Christmas season you are open with your friends and family about your faith in Jesus, the Savior of the world, a lot of them will not understand, and you won't be able to make them understand why you are the way you are, why you're coming to church, why you would want to bring them along to this place. So, this Christmas your reputation might suffer, just as Mary's did. In order to bring to birth the Savior of the world. Remember, Mary did not negotiate the cost of this. She counted it and through it went on to reveal God in flesh. So, as we move to Christmas and reflect today on Mary, reflect on her use of reason and doubt that led to surrender. God chose to enter this world through a pregnant, unwed teenager, in a patriarchal shame and honor culture? Do you think God could have done it in a slightly different way? But He chose not to. Why? Why did He choose to do it this way? I think it was His way of saying, I don't do things the way the world expects, but in the opposite way altogether. My power, you see, my power is made perfect in weakness. My Savior will be born not in a cradle in a royal palace, but in a feed trough, in a stable. Not to powerful and famous people, but to disgrace peasants. For Jesus to be our Savior, it meant him going through weakness, through suffering, through death on a cross. Jesus, you see, achieves power and influence through sacrificial service, as we remember shortly in broken bread and poured out wine. And if you have Jesus as Savior in your life, you will taste much of the same at times. But this is how our Savior works from the very beginning. Suffering leads to glory death to resurrection. So have no fear this Christmas time as you mingle among your friends and families. But receive Jesus afresh or even for the first time I pray and be at peace for it doesn't matter what the world thinks for he alone is worthy of all honor and praise and glory. Not you not me. So Mary reveals that she was willing to do for Jesus what Jesus was going to do for her. He became obedient to his Father, even unto death, death on a cross. And when God called Mary, she gave up her right to self-determination. And if you and I really want Christ this Christmas, we will, like Mary, have to obey him unconditionally, giving up control of our lives and allowing our conditions to fall away like wrapping paper around gifts as we offer him the most precious thing. If he is our Savior, and let me tell you he is, you have to give up your right to say, I will obey you if. I will do this if. For the word if makes Jesus our consultant, from whom we may receive some good advice or even some recommendations about how we should live. But he's not a consultant. Thank God. They're very good people. He is our Savior. Mary reveals one last thing to us. Sorry, it's going to be three, but I thought four. She goes to Elizabeth. I love that. She needs others. She needs community. Mary, yes, can reason. She can doubt. And yes, she can surrender. But she doesn't do this alone. She builds around her a community. We need this too. We need this at Walcott. We need this in our home groups. We need a place where we can think, where we can reason, where we can share honestly our doubts and openly. And the questions that will surface as we go through this thing called life, We will need to live alongside others. Others that we see too are counting the cost of their yes to the Saviour. Mary responded to God, her Saviour, in the humblest way possible. She reasoned, she doubted, she surrendered, she built community. You, yes, you, can do that too. And in so doing, reveal Jesus the Savior. Amen.